0: Hey there, welcome back to Podcasting for Educators. I am honestly kind of giddy to share this episode with you today. I have on Sarah Marie and Sarah is a client of mine. We've been working together for almost two years now. Sarah has over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. She's now the CEO of the Stellar Teacher Company and a literacy specialist passionate about helping elementary teachers around the world grow their students into lifelong learners. Sarah's mission is to make teachers' lives a little bit easier by providing them with endless encouragement, effective strategies, and engaging no-fluff resources. She's also the host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast, where she loves to share her favorite literacy tips each week. Like I said, we've been working together for a while now, and it has been so much fun to watch the Stellar Teacher Podcast grow into what it is today. Sarah recently celebrated 100,000 downloads on her podcast, and so I wanted to have her on the show to share about her experience and kind of give you some advice on what has helped her reach the success that she has experienced. But this episode really turned into so much more than that. Sarah's letting us in on how she made her podcast her business and now uses it to be the driving force for everything else. She even agreed to let us pull back the curtain and share her progression of monthly downloads from when she started to where she is now. It's a really good one and I do not want to waste any more time, so let's get started. All right. We are back with Sarah Marie. I am so excited for this episode. We've been waiting for a few weeks now to sit down and record this. You've been on the podcast before. This is episode number two with you and it's going to be a good one. So welcome.
1: Thank you, Sarah. I am, first of all, so honored that I get to be a repeat guest. And I mean, I love talking podcasting with you anytime. So I just kind of feel like this is going to be like a Voxer conversation that (laughs) your audience gets to listen in on. So yeah, super excited.
0: Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. And yes, we voxer all the time. And I just, I love that you love podcasts as much as I do. So, and I'm just going to go ahead and say we both have dogs sitting right next (laughs) to us. I was going to say mine just got up and (laughs) resettled over here. So, (laughs) if they start barking, we'll stop. But otherwise, you might just hear them walking around and that's totally fine. (laughs) So, now for those of, Those people listening who maybe haven't heard you on the podcast before or don't know you, not familiar with you, can you just give us a quick introduction of who you are and what your podcast is about and who it's for? Yeah. So
1: I am Sarah Marie, and I am the creator behind the Stellar Teacher Company and the host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast, um, which is really fun to say. I started my podcast um, a year and a half-ish, two years ago. It was January twenty twenty. One, right? January, 2021. Yep. Yep. January, 2021. You and I started working together in November. And at the time when I started my podcast, my business was, I think, like, I always – forget the exact numbers but it was around five years old. Um, so I definitely had you know established TPT store, established email list, my membership and all of that stuff but I always wanted to start a podcast So I started my podcast my podcast um, is the stellar teacher podcast and my target audience is third through fifth grade teachers, specifically literacy teachers and really specifically reading teachers Most of the content I would probably say like, of my episodes have to do with like how to teach reading, whether it's, you know, standards, trends, small groups, content, whatever it is. And I have been releasing episodes every week since I launched it. And yeah, it's just, it's been, it has been fun. It, it, really is my favorite part of my business which I feel like is something that I didn't necessarily anticipate but I love being able to connect with teachers I love the just like being able to share my ideas through the podcast so yeah I guess that's a little bit about who my what my podcast is and
0: who I talk to yeah that's perfect and we're going to really get into like what Sarah feels like has contributed to the success of her show and I think one of those things is the consistency that you've had. You've been super consistent with your show. And you had a very specific, clear audience from the beginning, which I think is always really, really important for a podcast and for any business, really. And you release your episodes on Monday. I I think m- maybe there's only been one week that you didn't release. And it was back like at the very beginning, actually, I was looking. But other <laughs> than that, you've released at least one episode a week. You've had some spurts where you've done two episodes a week and we'll talk about that as well. But I just want to say congratulations on being so consistent. <laughs> Thank you. I, there was there. I have missed one week. And I, I remember,
1: you know, when I first started my podcast, there were kind of just like a couple things things. You know, I think it's like every, when they start their podcast, they like worry. It's like, you know, am I going to run out of content? Like, am I going to yeah. be able to keep up with like the episodes or whatever? And I think it was like the March after I launched it. And I, I wasn't, Batched ahead. You know, I think I was traveling for like my mom's birthday or something and I missed an episode. And I remember you were very like reassuring, like, hey, it's okay. Like, you'll miss it. But I legit told myself, I was like, I will never miss a podcast episode again because, you know, it's like I wanted my podcast to be such an essential part of my business. And I was like, the reality of it is, is if I want it to be, as impactful as like I'm hoping like I can't miss an episode. So I missed one early on and never again. And I'm like, okay, whatever I have to do to like make sure my episodes get out, like I will do it.
0: Yes. And you you kept your promise because you have not missed another episode. <laughs> I clearly remember that, that day of you saying, I think I'm just not going to do it. And I'm like, okay, it's all right. It's okay. (laughs) But we're going to get back on track. And you do anytime that there's, because you're usually really good about like being ahead with your episodes. And anytime that you've gotten in kind of like Okay, we're back to like the week to week hustle you like tighten it up and and you're good to go again, which is so awesome. Now, you talked you mentioned just a second ago about how you in the beginning were kind of worried if you'd have enough content to keep up with it. Were there any other concerns that you had just like everybody else. I'm sure you experienced a little bit of imposter syndrome. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, so I wanted to start a podcast probably
1: from like 2017. Like I remember, and I talked talk about this in my very first episode. You know, I mentioned it, and my husband, who has been my biggest cheerleader with like growing a business, he ordered me a podcast mic way back in like 2017. So I've had like a blue Yeti podcast mic, you know, and he occasionally would be like, Hey, when are you gonna start your podcast? Like, hey, <laughs> you should start your podcast. And I wish I would have listened to him. But you know, it's, I I worried that it was like, so you know, I think general imposter syndrome, first of all, I was like, I don't have a podcast voice. Like, I'm really worried about like the way I'm going to sound. You know, but I also worried, I was like, okay, like if I start this podcast, like, is anybody going to listen? Is anybody going to care? Am I gonna be able to like keep up with the content? Am I gonna be able to share content that like people are going to want to listen to? And all of those things kind of prevented me probably for like two to three years from actually starting my podcast. But I kind of got to the point and you were you honestly were I mean, I always say that you're such a godsend because it's like (laughs) you were so critical, kind of in giving me that push. You know, you were like, hey. I'm here if you want to start your podcast. And I was like, okay. The reality of it is is like I am never going to feel ready. And so I just have to make the decision to like do this thing. You know, and I just remember sort of like thinking, it's like, do I want to look back in five years and say, oh man, I wish I would have started that podcast, but I never did because I was worried about my voice. (laughs)
0: Like I know it sounds silly when you say it out loud.
1: Is that gonna be like a thing? Um, and so I was just like, you know what? Here's the thing I want to do this, and so I am not gonna let any sort of like excuse get in the way. And of course I realized, I was like, okay, first of all, my voice actually doesn't sound that bad on a podcast. Like I maybe do have a podcast voice, but also, you know, it's like my audience is not literacy experts, right? Like my audience is teachers who are five, 10 steps behind me. And even if I'm not sharing like groundbreaking, earth shattering, like new ideas every single week, even if I can share something that validates or reaffirms what they already know, like there's a lot of power in that. So I, I have just realized that it's like, okay, I don't, I, I sort of like put this pressure on myself that like I needed to be so much more of an expert than I felt. And now, I mean, I definitely would get nervous recording episodes and they would take me really long to put together. And I was you know worried about the reception. I don't worry about that in the same sort of way now. So I, I, I definitely have moments of imposter syndrome, but I feel like I've grown a little bit out of that, but definitely in the beginning, I had all sorts of fears and worries, but I was like, nope, I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, I think in the beginning, it takes, it takes people a really long time sometimes to record those first few episodes because it feels weird. It's not natural to sit behind a mic and kind of almost talk to yourself because that's really what you're doing when you're recording, but you get used to it. And yeah, those moments of imposter syndrome are still going to pop back up. And. I know you said you you kind of had wanted to start a podcast for years leading up to it. And that's what everybody says. And it's always crazy. Like it's not weeks or months that a lot of you are sitting around thinking about starting a podcast. Often it's years. And so you just have to kind of Take that plunge. Yeah. And if you have been thinking about it, like start it. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like looking back
1: now, I am just like, I'm so glad I didn't wait any longer. Cause it's like the sooner you start it, the sooner you get to grow it and refine it and get to the point where it's like, this thing is amazing. So yeah, just do it. We all are scared to start. Yes,
0: absolutely. (laughs) Great advice. Now, okay, we're gonna start getting into the really fun stuff here. You just recently Celebrated 100,000 downloads on your podcast. Now you're actually past 120,000 downloads. August 2022 was your biggest month yet, which is so exciting. Now, in a minute, we're going to, you're actually, you've agreed to let us kind of give an overview of your actual monthly downloads so that you guys can really see the progression that Sarah has had over time because. I think a lot of times we hear, "Oh my gosh, people have a hundred thousand downloads, or they have a million downloads, or five thousand downloads, like whatever it is." And if you're not anywhere near that point, it's like that's when imposter syndrome really sets in, and that's when comparison starts in. And I just one of the big messages I want to get across today is growth takes time, and when you hear these numbers. It doesn't happen overnight. And you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know if somebody has a team or if they're releasing daily episodes. Like those people, of course, are going to make <laughs> faster growth than other people. Like all these factors come into play. And so we're going to get into that in a minute. But what do you feel like has really contributed to your show's success over time?
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, it is one of those things where it's like, I, even last year in the fall, I was like, oh, I feel like getting to 100,000 downloads is going to take forever. And so I think it's just like one of those things like, you know, growth is not linear. And you never know when like the next episode is going to go viral or be the one thing that like just like shoots you into like, you know, a huger audience or whatever it is. Um, So just like keep pushing ahead. But I do like as I've been reflecting, I love I just love reflecting. I love looking at data. I love thinking back and like trying to pay attention to like what got me here so I can try to like replicate that in other parts of my business. And so I think that there are really three things that have led to my podcast growth. And I think the first one is is I didn't have or I was not looking to any other podcasts for inspiration. And I think this is actually has a much bigger impact than I I realize and I'm you know as I look about this but it's like I didn't have any other friends that I was like, hey, what are you doing on your podcast? Or like, how many episodes are you releasing or how are you getting, you know, growth or whatever? And I think in business, we tend to do this, right? Like I have a membership, I have an email list, I have a TPT store, I have social media. And I'm constantly asking my friends, it's like, hey, how many times are you posting on social media? It's like, hey, what are you doing for your TPT site wide sales for your marketing? It's like, hey, how are you launching your membership? And I get ideas from like other people, which isn't a bad thing, but oftentimes when you take somebody else's idea and you try to put that into your business, you are missing a level of like authenticity. And so... I know that there are other educational podcasts that are really successful, but they just were not in my radar. And I did not have anybody else that I was like trying to replicate, trying to copy, trying to reach their level of success. And I think not having anybody else that I was looking to in the podcast space really sort of like gave me the freedom. To make my show like truly my own and to experiment with different, you know, episode styles and marketing efforts and how I wanted to share the content and how I wanted to weave it into my business to where I feel like my podcast feels like so much of my own and not like I'm trying to make it like somebody else's. So I really think that is like a huge thing is not trying to be like anybody else's podcast. And then the second thing is, you know, I kind of made this decision early on and I feel like this kind of goes to like the mindset things, but I just decided from the beginning that if I'm going to do a podcast, I sort of like, you know, I was nervous to do it and I was nervous to get started, but I really wanted to, you know, and I kind of gave myself like a year, like if at the end of a year, if I'm like, you know, I don't like it or I can't keep up with it, I won't do it. But at least for a year, I am going to make my podcast an essential part of my business. It's not a side piece. It's not like this extra add on thing, you know, that I kind of think about it, but it was like, no, this is. An essential core part of my business, which means I made it a part of my launch plan for my membership. Our podcast is our social media strategy. It drives my emails. It is, you know, my market. Like when I market things, like my podcast is a part of it, but also I was committed to investing in it. You know, I mean, I hired you from the beginning. I was willing to pay extra when I was doing double episodes, you know, figuring out podcast, you know, whether it's like a, a Facebook ad or other, you know, marketing things or upgrading my sound, you know, looking at data, like I, You know, my podcast was something that I looked at, considered, planned for, paid attention to on a weekly basis. You know, it was an essential part of my business. And I think that obviously made it something that I loved doing, but also contributed to the success. And then I really think sort of like the third thing is creating content that really resonates with my audience. And I feel like this is a process that I've kind of refined over the last two years. You know, and it started with like, anytime somebody would ask me a question on Instagram or in an email, I'm like, okay, if this teacher has a question, then I bet hundreds of teachers have the same question. So I would take that question And turn it into a podcast episode, you know, and then slowly over time, like those episodes that were inspired by teachers questions, I would get a lot of like, you know, like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was thinking or I was wondering that exact same thing. And then I've gotten to this point where one of the things I do is every quarter, I send out a survey to my audience with kind of like seven or eight topics that I'm considering planning. And I say, which one of these do you want to like, which, what do you want to hear me talk about? And that is literally the subject line of my email. What do you want to hear me talk about? And it's like, I'm planning out my content. Which of these are like, you know, most of interest to you and then, you know, pick your top three. And then what is one question that you have about one of those topics? And that has been like a game changer. And this summer, I noticed this was sort of like this summer was the first time that I did that for all of my podcast episodes for June, July, August were driven by the survey. And I got so much feedback from teachers saying, this is exactly what I am wondering. Like, that is my exact same question. All of those questions are questions that I have. And I'm like, (laughs) surprise, surprise, they are actually your (laughs) questions. But it makes it so easy for me to plan because I'm not trying to figure out what does my audience want to hear. They are telling me what they want to hear. And then I think as a result, because they are telling me what they want to hear, I give them what they want to hear, they keep listening and then they keep telling me what they want to hear. It just becomes a circular thing. So I think the the content and kind of refining the content process has really, especially in the last like six months, has really contributed
0: to the growth as well. Oh my gosh, this is all so good. <laughs> and I mean, it like don't overcomplicate it. Like this works. Ask your people what they want to hear and actually create your content around that because you know it's gonna be something that resonates with your audience. Don't Feel like you have to spend, sit down and do all this research and spend hours coming up with topics like your ideal topics are literally right in front of you. You just have to ask. Now, have you ever had any trouble getting people to actually fill out these surveys?
1: Not – I mean, I've started doing this, like, after my – you know, I started doing this after my podcast existed for, like, a year. Um, And also, I mean, I have an email list of 50,000 teachers. So, like, I have a big audience to pull from. Yeah. Um, If you have a smaller list size, I think that's important to consider, too. It's, like, you might not get, you know, hundreds of responses if you only have, like, 5,000 or 10,000 people on your list. But, like, even if you got five – because, again, like, what I said is all of this started – Is because I had a teacher who would, a teacher who asked a question and I was like, this was a good podcast episode. (laughs) Like, let me do this. And then any, anytime I get a question, I put it on like my podcast planning sheet and I'm like, future ideas right here. But I one of the things I do just to encourage them is like, you know, fill out the survey and I'm gonna pick three people and I'll give a $10 TPT gift card. So basically every quarter, I'm investing $30 of TPT gift cards to encourage my audience. And you know, most people like they are like, Oh, thanks for the opportunity to win, but even more so. Like, thank you for this podcast. Like, thank you for being willing to put together these episodes and give us content that we want to share. So, you know, my, I've gotten great response from my audience. Um, Sometimes a little bit of a nudge to fill it out is great, but
0: you might not even have to like inspire with a gift card. Yeah, sometimes people just need that incentive and I see stuff like that as just an investment and it's going to it's going to pay off and I mean, I definitely have nowhere near 50,000 people on my email list, but when I send stuff like that out, even if I get a handful of responses, like I see that as like absolute gold in terms of content planning. So, I just think that that is such great advice and I just want to circle back for a second to your first point that you made about how you didn't look for other podcasts for inspiration. I Absolutely love this. I know we've had a conversation about this before, and I just really encourage people to take this advice with your podcast and with your business as a whole. I know for myself, and I know it's true for a lot of people, Like I limit the number of people. I limit the number of podcast managers and people in the podcasting industry that I follow because it's so natural to see other people in the same space as you putting out content and feeling like you're not doing enough or feeling like maybe even you're not doing it on purpose, but then you start to form your content in the same way. And it's just so much better to just stay in your lane and really measure your growth only by your growth, not by what other people are doing. And you really have, Sarah, like I've never heard you be like, oh, well, I saw somebody has this many downloads and I have this many downloads. Like you've always measured from, from your growth and you, something else I need to say is yes, like I I help you with your podcast and like I give you, I update your stats every month, but you actually look at your stats. Like a lot of people, it's just like something that they check off the list, you know? Like, okay, I'm just going to like record these numbers or I'm just going to look at my numbers, but you actually do look at them and you take that into consideration with your planning, which I think is huge.
1: Yeah. I'm a bit of a data nerd. I have what I call day data day (laughs) and on the first or second of every month, I go back and I look and it's for, I mean, this is not just podcasts. Like I look at my TPT stats, my membership stats, my email stats, my everything, But it's so great because it's like looking at episodes, it's like, okay, what days did I have the highest downloads? It's like, were they correlated with the days I sent the emails? Like, what about my podcast email open rates? Like, do I have a subject line or an email template that really resonates? Like, what about my emails? Like, where are my popular, or not emails, but like, where are my popular episodes, you know? So it's just, it's like the more, and I will say, so kind of in conjunction with the looking at the data, I also make it a point. And if I don't do it in real time, I try to at the end of the month, go back and re-listen to my actual episodes to hear how they're sounding. Yeah. But I just feel like the more I know about my podcast, the easier it's going to be for me to refine it and grow it for the teachers. So yeah, the data's gold. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. And I love that you listen to your own show. I, some people like that we work with are like, oh, I just never, I never listen. And I'm like, you should listen because yeah. you can you know, give yourself feedback. And also like your guests, you can see how, you, how your interview skills are and all of that. So I think that's really important too. All right, podcasters, you know how many details come with producing just a single episode and using the right tools is the key to creating high quality episodes in the most efficient way possible. One of my absolute favorite tools I use is Zencaster. I have tried so many different platforms for recording my guest interviews, and Zencaster is the one I've stuck with for so many reasons. It always gives me the highest quality audio because there is nothing worse than recording an episode that you can't use because of bad quality. It's so easy for you and your guests, even the not-so-tech-savvy ones. All they have to do is click a link, and we start recording. Boom. Done. Plus, the video is crystal clear so you can repurpose your solo and your guest episodes on social media and on YouTube. Oh, and it gives you a transcript of your episodes. You can go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code educators. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all of my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So go to zencaster.com slash pricing, that's dot rcom slash pricing, and use my code educators for 30% off. That's educators, all lowercase letters. The link will also be in the show notes. Okay. So shall we kind of pull back the curtain here and look at your downloads? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) From where you started to where you are now. So I'm going to kind of just Just kind of run through your monthly numbers and feel free to jump in whenever. I know we've got – I want to point out a few things as we go along because there are some explanations as to why she's had higher numbers during certain months. And hopefully, those of you listening, that can kind of help you decide how you can take a closer look at your data as well. So now, first of all, just to recap, Sarah started her podcast first week of January 2021. And – At the time of this recording, it's September 2022, so we're going to be looking at January 2021 to August 2022. Okay, so monthly downloads starting in January 2021, first month of having your podcast out. She had 783 total monthly downloads. And Sarah's gonna say, Oh, that's nothing to get excited about. But I'm gonna tell you right now, it is something to get excited about. That's actually a very good number, especially for your first month of podcasting. So I'm just gonna throw that out there.
1: (laughs) Well, I was gonna say, I remember. And it's like I and this is I think one of the things where it's like reminding you that growth is not linear. But I remember thinking, I was disappointed because I was like, how am I going to get this podcast to be something that impacts my business if I only have 783 downloads in a month? And I'm pretty sure like 50 of those are from like my family and close (laughs) friends, right? So I'm just like, okay, like this – this is a starting point, but like, I was just like, okay, this is, I've got places to go. (laughs) I've got things to work on. But it was just like, okay, like I, I need to figure out how to make this, if this wants to be the cornerstone of my business, I have to
0: figure out a way to grow it. But it gave me an opportunity to go up. (laughs) Yes. And you sure did. Up you went. (laughs) Okay. So then next month, February, she went up to 812. So not, not a huge jump there. March, 960. April 1042, May 1032, so slightly down. And I'm going to stop here and say that one thing that I want all of you to be doing when you track your downloads is, and this is something that we started a little bit later on, was not only doing your overall monthly downloads, but also doing what we call Average downloads per week, which is where you'll take your overall monthly downloads and divide it by the number of episodes that you actually had, because that's going to give you some more information. If you had, if you released four episodes one month and five episodes the next month, that might explain why your downloads went up. Or if you had five one month and four the next month and your downloads went up, then that's really great news because you had less episodes, but your downloads are higher. So something to consider there. So June, now this is the first month that Sarah tried out double episodes. And can you tell us why, what was your reasoning there? Why did you decide to do that? Yeah. And I, this is like one of those, like I have a very vivid memory. Like I was
1: driving into the airport <laughs> and you and I were voxing back and forth and I was just like, okay. Going back to the whole, my podcast was going to be an essential part of my business and I have a reading membership. And at the time I was only launching it during the summers. And so I was in the process. This was, I think like the end of April, maybe the very beginning of May. I think it was like the end of April, but I was like, okay, I'm planning out my summer launch. Like, what can I do with my podcast to be able to one, increase my downloads? I know summer is like sort of like a popular time for teachers. So let me maximize that. But then how can my podcast become a part of my launch plan and using that as a way to, you know, funnel people into my membership? And so you and I were just like brainstorming. And I think I maybe asked you was like, hey, Sarah, like what can I do this summer? And we just kind of like brainstorm and talked through some ideas. And I was like, okay, let me do double episodes for the month of it was five weeks really. So I think June and then some into July. So basically the five weeks leading up to my membership doors opening, I did double episodes and I did my regular episodes on Monday and they were the normal 25, 30 minute episodes. And then I did short and I called them, I think I called them like quick win episodes on Thursday or quick tip, something like that. But they were short, like seven to eight minute episodes that were kind of related to Monday's episode, but like a little bit deeper dive into one of the key points or whatever. But then once I mapped these out, this literally became my launch plan. And I started, I had a pop-up Facebook group for those five weeks, I did weekly Facebook lives that were around the same topic. So it's like people were hearing me talk about the podcast episode on Monday, they got training about it on Wednesday, we did another podcast on on Thursday, you know, they got the whole calendar for the summer ahead of time. And doing those double episodes, I think was a really sort of like pivotal moment in my podcast, because I started to see as like, okay, when I plan and let my audience know ahead of time and really like, you know, connect episodes together and mention other episodes and let them know what they can look forward to. Like they resonated with that. And it made me like doing those double episodes was a lot of work ahead of time because it's two episodes a week. But it made me really excited because I was like, okay, I did something with the intention of growing my audience and feeding into my launch. And I got the results that I wanted, but it was just sort of like fun and exciting to be like, okay, what can this then turn into?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I remember the day that you voxed me that we were talking about this on Voxer and and I remember you saying, "I'm ready to level up. Like, let's just do this." And I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> and it was super successful and exactly what you said that I want to nail home is that you were really intentional about your planning and you were intentional about it in advance. Like, I remember you had a PDF of the whole summer schedule that you made available to your listeners to say, "Hey, this is what you can look forward to. I'm doing two episodes a week. I'm doing a, a Facebook Live every Wednesday. It was right. Yep. In the Facebook group, and that Facebook group was super successful. And I know you had you had hired Brooke at that time, yep, right? Brooke was
1: helping with my community management in the Facebook group, and she was needed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, it was. It was it was on fire it was yeah. fun <laughs> we had a it, good time <laughs> yeah I mean it was there was so much engagement going on in there and it was just really cool to see like the listeners converting into those Facebook group members I think didn't you do a little bit of gamification you did some like bingo. we did some like
1: giveaway things on Friday and then I think at the end of the summer we did like a, a bingo thing where it was like you know if you listen to so many of like the episodes and the Facebook lives and you had a chance to win we gave away I think an annual membership so we definitely you know made some fun out of it but I will say like all of this led led up to my launch. And that launch was, I mean, super successful for my membership. That summer, I brought in 450 teachers, which completely changed the trajectory of my membership then. So it's like that all of a sudden took my membership to a much bigger sort of like piece of my business. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't do this work with my podcast. So it's like the podcast was directly then impacting my audience, which impacted my membership growth, which impacted my overall business, just like structure and revenue streams.
0: Absolutely, and we talk about repurposing content a lot. You you need to start it with your podcast and it fuels everything else if you can just like start with your podcast in mind because there's so many opportunities that can come from your episodes. Okay, so back to your numbers. I had said in May, you had 1,032 downloads. June is the first month that you started your double episodes. You went up to 2,413. July, you went up to 5,447. So huge jump there. Then in August, you went back to one episode a week, and your monthly downloads in August was 4,297. Now, what is really cool about this is that you went back to one episode a week this month, but the last month that you had one episode a week was 1,000 downloads. And now you're at 4,000 downloads. So clearly those listeners that you gained in those double episode months continued to be listeners and you held on to them, which is really cool. Yeah.
1: And I was going to say, I mean, and that sort of just like confirmed, it's like, okay, the double episodes worked for increasing my audience. And we, I mean, I ended up doing it again later in January because I was like, okay, this is something that I can do like once every six months, like once a year or something like i need to plan a month where i've got a series or whatever it is with the double episodes because it works to
0: expand and grow my audience and then they stick around so then september 4021 so in august you had five episodes go live september you had four episodes october 4082 November, 4,054, so you're kind of around that 4,000 mark. December, 5,113, which is actually interesting because sometimes December can be kind of a a lower month because of the holidays, but you went up that month. And then January, 2022, you went back to doing double episodes that month and you shot up to 8,270 downloads. And now that time you were launching... Did you launch in January? I was gonna say I was doing
1: like a like a lazy launch, if you will. It was yeah. like an, I had my cart open for the entire month of January, right. which was great because and I knew ahead of time this is what I was doing. So on I think we had a podcast ad that we were running either yes. in the middle of the episodes, but basically on all of my episodes, I was like, Hey, for the month of January, my membership is open. Like, join us, come and join us. And for the month of January, I sent one email. I was supposed to send a few more, but I had, I accidentally like sent them to my current members or didn't send them. It was one of those, like I had an email snafu. Yeah. So we had one email, we posted on social media, I think like twice, but I had, I mentioned it in my podcast every single week and during the double episodes. And basically the marketing came from the podcast, but I had a hundred teachers sign up for my membership during the month of January, which again, I was like, that required really no effort from me, just yeah. planning ahead like, hey, I'm going to have extra exposure for my podcast in January. Let me use that extra exposure to send people to my big program that I want them to join. So
0: again, I was like, podcast marketing, it works. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I th- I'm think i so glad that you said that because sometimes – People struggle to like find or measure the ROI of your podcast. So it involves a little bit of experimentation. So do what Sarah just said. If you've got an ad running on your podcast and you're being super intentional about making efforts to drive people to a paid offer, lax. get a little lax on where you usually do your marketing efforts like email and social media and see what the results are. If you usually run Facebook ads. Maybe stop running Facebook ads for a little while and see if you're still getting that traffic and that will be kind of an indicator of whether or not your podcast is turning your listeners into leads. Okay. So where were we? February 2022. <laughs> okay. So February went back to single episodes and you had 5,861 downloads, March 6,847 April seven thousand six hundred seventy six. So you're kind of going up by like a thousand every month. Continuing into May eight thousand two hundred one. June. 11,477. And and no double episodes. (laughs) No double episodes. And what do you think happened there? So in
1: June, I started my series on the science of reading. And this was one of those topics that, you know, I sort of had been paying attention to. And if you are an elementary literacy teacher, you know that this has kind of been a buzzword starting last year. And it's just building momentum. And it's sort of a shift in the way we approach teaching reading and it's on social media. It's, I mean, it is like the buzzword, And so it is one of those things where I was like, okay, this is the topic of reading. My podcast focuses on reading. I need to talk about the things that my teachers are wanting to talk about, having questions about, needing to hear about. Um, so I was like, I'm doing a whole series on the science of reading. So I planned out four episodes to cover the science of reading. And this is also then, you know, before June. So back in the end of April, I, I knew that I was going to do it. You know, so like kind of one of those things where I was like, I'm going to do this whether my list says they need it or not. <laughs> but I was like, also, let me find out what else they want to hear about this summer because I wanted to use my summer to do basically a series in June, a series in July, and a series in August. So I sent out a survey to my list. I put the topics. I had science of reading, small groups, word study, assessment, time management, lesson planning, you know, five or six different ones. And it was like, it confirmed that I was like, yep, this is what my audience wants to hear about. But I mean, most people were like, yes, the science of reading. And then small group and word study, which those ended up being my series over the summer. But the questions that teachers had were great. It's like, I knew I wanted to do a series on the science of reading because it was a hot topic. But the questions that people sent to me in that survey then, I was like, this is perfect. Like now I know exactly what each episode needs to be about because my audience shared their questions and wonderings with me. Um, So I think really leaning into like, this is a trending topic. This is what everybody else is talking about. If I want to be a part of the conversation, then I need to be willing to jump in and, you know, share my knowledge, my understanding and like make it something that teachers are like, oh yeah, like I, I see you're talking about this too. Like I want to hear what you have to say. Um, So that that was, yeah, I mean, a huge growth for my podcast happened in that month as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. It goes back to being willing to jump in and experiment and change up the topics that you're talking about and listening to your audience. And I just want to say something about this series of the science of reading that I really, and I feel like you always do this with your content. And that is that you deliver your content Especially on hard topics like this, because the science of reading is it's a little some- polarizing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And a lot of
0: teachers have, you know, every district is different. A lot of teachers have no idea what this concept is. And you approach it in a way that is like very non judgmental. Like, hey, I know that you're probably seeing this all over social media, but if you have never heard of this and you don't know how to implement it, you don't have the resources, it's okay. Like, let's look at what this really means. And I just love, I love that about your delivery.
1: Thank you. I mean, and that's like, that kind of goes back to like when, you know, when I first started my podcast, the thing, and this is just my education career in general, like impact has been such an important thing for me. And it's like, I, I remember being in the classroom and sort of like being belittled for things that I did or being made felt like, you know, less than because I wasn't doing something right or asking to do too much. And I'm just like, here's the thing. Like, every single teacher becomes a teacher because they want to make a difference. Like nobody goes in with like ill intent, but I just feel like the way the system set up is like there are not enough like cheerleaders and champions for teachers. And so I was like, when I do this podcast episode, like I am going to take every opportunity I can to like support teachers exactly where they were at and help them get to the next level. And so I am constantly saying like, there's more than one way to do things. Like we're all on a journey. Like we're all, you know, but it's just these messages that I say over and over and over again. And especially with the science of reading series, I had so many teachers reach out to me and say like, I feel so much better now. Like thank you for like making this understandable. Make me, thank you for like not making me feel bad about what I have been doing or what I am not doing. You know, thank you for helping me figure out the next steps. And I think, you know, just being willing to say it's like, Hey, like, you know, this, you, you are doing a great job, but like we can always do better. So yeah, I think just like going back to like, what is the core purpose of your podcast? And then always finding ways to like weave in that main message. And for me, it's like making teachers feel confident and supported.
0: Love it. Okay. So you clearly had that that topic really resonated with your audience. So again, in June, you had 11,477 downloads. That was the month that you had your first Science of Reading episode. And then July, 15,798 downloads. Which was shocking. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So awesome. And then when we thought it couldn't get any better – August, which is last month at this time of recording, 20,204 downloads. Which is
1: also then the month that I hit 100K too. So that was pretty epic. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So not only did you hit 100K, but you hit 120K. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I did the math. And from your very first month of releasing episodes back in January 2021 to – August 2022, your last full month of episodes, you have more than 25 times your monthly downloads. (laughs) Which is cool.
1: It's really cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it was like – it was really fun celebrating the 100K
1: download, like, episode. Um, And just even seeing then, it's like I hit 100K and then – I. Very quickly got to 120K. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I'm going to be celebrating 200K before you know it. You know, and then I'm like, you know, the idea of like a million seems like really far off, but I'm also like, I'm going to have a podcast at some point that is going to have a million downloads. Like, that is inevitable. Like, that is the direction I am headed. And it is, it's just exciting, especially going back to be like that first month, I had 783 downloads. And I thought, like, this is, this is not going to (laughs) work.
0: And now it's working (laughs) Yes, because I decided I was going to make it work. (laughs) Exactly. You did. You committed and you followed through. And I just want to say that, you know, Sarah had an email list when she got started. She had an audience when she got started. I know some of you out there are probably, if you have a smaller audience, you're thinking of that number, 700 downloads a month, and that probably seems like a very large number to you. And I just want to say that if you do have a smaller audience and you're kind of starting from scratch, you need to, again, look at your own growth. So Everybody has to start somewhere and just measure your growth month to month and make sure that you're looking back on where you started and where you are currently and think about what you can do to continue that growth because everybody's journey looks different. Absolutely.
1: And I think it's like looking at data I think is so important and obviously looking at your own data is the most important. And I know we always we always want like validation like okay, well what did somebody else have? Like what were their numbers? Like what's a good like first month number or you know, how long does it take people to get to 10,000? But like everybody's business is so different, you know, and even like the niches, right? So it's like different niches are, have bigger audiences or are more saturated. You know, it's just like you can never compare unless there is somebody else who has the exact same email list with the exact same, you know, like I can't compare my numbers to anybody else because our businesses are completely different. And so while it sometimes can be nice to just be like, okay, I'm on the right track, Never put any sort of like heavy stock in comparing your numbers to anybody else's because it is going to do you no good. But like look at your numbers and those are the numbers that really make a difference.
0: Okay, now let's kind of go into impact because like you mentioned, this is huge part of your business. And I am with you. It's also a big part of my mission and my business. And I think that podcasting is just a really great way to extend your impact to your audience. So what kind of impacts, and I know this is something I I know a lot of people are curious about, but what kind of impact has your podcast made both on your business and on your audience? Yeah. So again, I mean, it's because I made that
1: decision. Like my podcast is not like an add-on; it's not an afterthought. Like my podcast is my business, really. It louder for the people in the my podcast (laughs) is my business. Like this, literally, is my business. And I've I've realized that it's like okay, the more I make it the center of my business, like the easier and just everything makes sense. So, and it all kind of started when it did become that really essential cornerstone of my summer launch plan because all of my content, all of my emails, everything was directing people to my podcast. And then it ultimately, like I mentioned, it ended up in having a really successful launch, which, you know, impacted my membership and impacted my bottom line and all of that stuff. But also, you know, over the last like year and a half, our podcast has become the backbone of our social media marketing plan. It is like, it is not, let's just, you know, sharing our stories or whatever. But I, so Brooke Hall is my social media manager and she's amazing. Shout out to Brooke Hall. If you need social media help, go find her. Absolutely wonderful. Please link to her in the show notes. I will. (laughs) She, and she has really helped with this as well. But you know, every month we go through And we look at, okay, what is my podcast topic for each week? And it's getting easier because now we're doing like series. So like, what is the topic of conversation for the month? And then we figure out, okay, so like this is the topic for this week. So it's like, what, you know, what products can we connect to that podcast? Like what quotes can we connect to that podcast? How can we take something in the membership that connects to that podcast and promote the membership while also connecting it back to the podcast? How can we get people to, you know, sign up for a freebie that's connected to the podcast? So everything we talk about on social media is connected back to our weekly episodes and our monthly themes for the podcast. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every single social media post says, go listen to the podcast, but we're creating like this story, right? For the week, for the month, where it's like, this is the conversation we're having. We're talking about small groups and you're gonna hear about it on the podcast, in Instagram, on our membership. And so it's really easy for teachers to be like, oh yeah, like I heard you talk about that before. Or, oh yeah, I listened to the podcast, like this makes sense now. So it is the thing that we use to drive our social media. And then as a result, we share the podcast without fail, every single week, multiple times a week on Instagram. We share it in our feed. We share it in our stories. We send people links to it. And I think that I know so many people who are like, I have a podcast, but I don't like email about it, or I don't want to like share about it. You know, it's almost just this, like, I'm embarrassed by it. No, if you have a podcast, like you put that thing out there and you get people to listen to it, you know? And so as a result, then like we're starting to really see some traction on Instagram and also like with our email list growth, Not necessarily from the podcast. Well, I do get people to to sign up from emails on the actual podcast, but we get a lot of people to sign up for our emails from Instagram, from those posts that mention content we talked about in the podcast. Like on the episode this week, we talked about yada, 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 grab this freebie. And we're getting a ton of signups from that. So it is growing my email list. It obviously is impacting my membership growth. You know, so many people are finding my membership by listening to the podcast But I think that the biggest, hands down, biggest impact it is having on my business is it is creating a much more engaged audience. I hear from teachers like on a daily basis, I listen to your podcast. I just found your podcast. I listened to your, I've been to your podcast on my way to school. I just listened to this entire series. I had one teacher and this literally, I was like, this is maybe the best thing that I've ever heard. But I had a teacher reach out to me and she said, I love your podcast. I've been listening to it from the beginning. My district asked me to, you know, so or maybe she even came to them and was like, I have this idea to do, not a book study with teachers, but I want to do a podcast study with the Stellar Teacher Podcast. And so she creates a curated list of podcasts of my podcast. She puts together discussion questions for teachers and then she sends them out. So they listen to the podcast, they complete these questions, and then they get together and have a conversation around my podcast. And I'm like, that's that like is my, podcast, so cool. my podcast is doing professional development in other <laughs> districts. But again, I hear from teachers that they are listening to my podcast. And I, before I did my podcast, I had a blog, I posted on social media, and I would occasionally hear from teachers but not in the same way. It's like, I think it's that audio. It's like the emotion, the emotional connection, the little snippets of me talking about like the dogs and coffee and my husband and whatever, you know, they feel so much more connected. And so as my podcast audience grows, like I am continuing just to hear more and more and more like people who find my membership, like I found you from your podcast. And so, and again, that just reminds me, it's like, okay, my podcast, it is my business. Like this is the the core element, not my TPT store, Not my social media, not my email list. Like my business is the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Oh my gosh, this
0: warms (laughs) my heart. Like, (laughs) and it's all because of you. (laughs) I just love this so much. It is not all because of me. Trust me. You are, like, like we've said a million times already, you have committed to this and you have made it your business. And I just think that's so cool. Like everything I believe about podcasting, you are making a reality. And I just think it's so amazing. I love hearing you talk about it. And a couple things I want to talk about after hearing you speak about your impact is you have to remember that like your podcast is a lead generation tool. And so it's not always going to be this straight line of like, okay, somebody listens to my episode and they directly join my membership or they directly buy this link on TPT. And how do I track my link to see how many people are buying? Like, It's not always that straightforward. Your podcast can bring people to your email list. It can bring people to your Instagram where they're further nurtured and then they decide to buy. It's like one piece of this puzzle. And if you use your podcast as the foundation, then it's just going to bring everything together so beautifully. Well, and it just make, honestly, like
1: it has made things so much easier because, you know, sometimes it's like, what do we post on social media or like, what should I be telling my email list or like, what types of promotions should I be doing? And it's like, what am I doing on the podcast? Yeah, great. That's what everything else connects back to. Like if I'm talking about a specific resource line on the podcast, or if it connects in, like that's what I'm promoting. If we're talking, you know, that's what our social media. It just it, everything connects back to the podcast.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I, I like that you mentioned. You said not everything. Like even though your episode that week drives your content on social media for that week, it doesn't mean that on every post or every story slide you're saying go listen to this yeah. episode. You're just using the ideas from that episode to give you the content for social media. Yep. And I just also want to point out, for those of you who do not like being on video constantly, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not on there every day showing your face saying, go listen to my episode.
1: Mm -mm. You use graphics. Yeah, we use a lot of graphics. And a lot of like, not, yeah, just, it's, Kind of like, what do you have that you yeah. can use to promote? We also started doing just like, because sometimes I'm like, I don't have an image that connects to this podcast. So then we create a quote graphic and right. those do really well where it's like, okay, what's a, what's something that I said in my podcast that we can turn into a quote and then use that either in our stories or in our feed. And those always get such good engagement because people are like, oh, I want to hear more about this.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think quotes are a great way to bring people into the episode and make them curious about it. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Where were we? What have I not covered? I think I'd love to do some rapid fire questions. Yeah. Let's that do That work for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had posted a couple weeks ago on my Instagram that I was doing this interview and I put out the opportunity for you guys to submit questions that you'd like for me to ask Sarah. And we've covered several of those in this interview already, but I'm just going to do a little rapid fire and you can just... Give me your your answer first answer that comes to mind, okay? Let's do it. Okay. What has surprised you the most about podcasting? I think like how much I like
1: it. Like I'm kind of like be I'm like a podcast like nerd, you know? Like <laughs> I I love it, you know? I I I thought I was going to enjoy it, but I I love it way more than I thought. Like, I I don't know. That's That was really surprising. Like, I kind of thought it would feel like part of my job. Like, yeah. I, I didn't like blogging. Like, I never liked blogging. And so I kind of thought podcasting might feel like that. But I love it. So that's the biggest surprise.
0: Perfect. Have you ever gotten into a rut with your podcast?
1: Yeah, I think it happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely, I feel like, you know, especially if I, like, for me, the thing I have found is I do not do well if I am not batched far enough ahead. Yeah. As soon as I sort of like have that pressure of like, oh, no, I have to record a podcast this week, um, then it's like, oh, what do I want to talk about? And then I just have like a lot of pressure. So I have found for me, like the best way to avoid ruts is to plan further ahead. So I plan like, even if it's just like the topic, you know, eliminate the decision fatigue in the moment and make a decision. And then also just done is better than perfect. Like not every single episode needs to be amazing. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I try to get out of those things.
0: (laughs) But it happens. Yeah, and sometimes – you mentioned this in the beginning of the episode, but like even if you don't feel like you're presenting anything that is groundbreaking, sometimes just keeping it simple is best and it's going to resonate with somebody. Yep. What has been your most popular episode? Uh, It should not surprise anybody.
1: It is the science of it is what is the science of reading and why is it important? And that was my very first kickoff episode for the science of reading series. Which again, like I feel like I launched that episode right at the time that like this was peak conversation, you know, on social media and in the education space. So of course, it's like that's what everybody else was talking about. I wanted to talk about it too, and my audience still loves listening to it.
0: (laughs) Yes, and I just want to point out that that was um, a more recent episode, and it's your most popular episode. Which is pretty cool. It just shows like really how popular that one was. Yep. What are your favorite kinds of episodes that you create?
1: I, you know, I, oh, golly, all of them? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, for me, it's like when I know for sure that this episode is answering a question. So it's like if I get, and I've got a couple of teachers that I just love connecting with on Instagram and I've got one teacher. She is, I was like, you are seriously the most thoughtful, amazing teacher because she asks such great questions. But it's like when she asks a question and then I can take that and turn that question into a podcast episode that I know is going to help her and everybody else, like that feels so good because I'm like, this episode is answering a very specific need. You know, it's not just an idea that I had or, you know, to promote a resource. It's like, nope, this is answering a teacher question. So I love anytime I can take a specific question and turn it into like an
0: actual episode. Do you have, we've talked about a few ways that you share your show, but do you have any other unique ways of sharing your show? I mean, I don't know if they're like unique.
1: I, you know, and I try to just, I, I constantly try to just like test and reinvent things, you know? So it's like being on other people's podcasts, like guesting is a great way to expand it. I've started experimenting with doing like roundup emails at the end of the month and they're the easiest emails to write. And they surprisingly get really good open rates and really good click rates. But basically at the end of the month, it's like, Hey, this is what we were talking about on the podcast. And I list out all the podcast episodes and like, They've been doing really well. But the other thing, I guess this is maybe kind of unique. I am sort of like in the process of trying to create like a mega funnel for my membership that will last for like months. (laughs) Um, But one of the things I do is in this funnel, so once somebody joins my email list, they get a curated sort of like set of emails. And every week they are getting not my current podcast episode, but my best podcast episode. So I go back and I look at the downloads and I see it's like, okay, that science of reading one people love listening to. I've got two small group ones that people love listening to. I've got a guest episode on classroom management that people love listening to. So I'm finding the episodes that my audience just devours. And though, those are the episodes that I'm sending to my new email subscribers. Cause I'm like, if I can get them hooked on my best podcast episodes, like they're, they're in. So not sending everybody to my newest episodes, but like sending my new
0: email subscribers to the best podcast episodes. And that's been working really well. Now that you're at the point that you are, what is your biggest piece of advice for new podcasters who are thinking of starting? I I mean, one, so if you're just, if you're thinking about
1: getting started, like just do it, do not wait any longer. You know, it's like, you know, so much of this mental drama is like, oh, should I, can I be successful? And it's just like, no, just do it. And I think like do it and decide that you're going to make it successful and like trust yourself to be able to turn this into like an amazing part of your business. You know, it's like I, there's nothing special about me. Like I, there's nothing, there's no magic. There's no whatever. <laughs> You're very sweet. But like <laughs> anybody, any other podcast out there can be like, I want to make my pot. And again, it's like, I have experienced some great success, but I have a long way to go to get to that like million, ma- you know, that million download mark. So like, there's still things that I'm going to do, but like, just decide and don't, don't look at anybody else. Don't compare to anybody else, but just like make that decision. And then like, once you make that decision, go all in
0: with it. Yes what is the biggest benefit from having a podcast manager? Oh my gosh, I love you so much. Um,
1: I, you know, I think, so for me, one of the things that is really helpful is I often say like, I wish I had a boss. Like I wish I had somebody and not, you're you're not like, you don't boss me around or whatever, (laughs) but you're that external accountability that I need, right? Like, it's like, hey, you gotta get your episodes out there. So it's like, I think if it were up to me to edit, I am not responsible enough to like get my episodes out every Monday at the same time. So I think knowing that like, I'm paying you a service to you know, get my content done and polished and finished, um, that really makes a huge difference. But I think also too, it's like, you do such a good job with like the editing and the show notes and all of that stuff, which means the only thing I have to think about is the content. And like, it just not, not having to worry about those small, like technical logistical error, not errors, but like tasks really frees up my brain space to be like, okay, what content do I want to talk about? You know? So it's like, when I think about podcasting, I just think, about recording episodes for my audience. I don't have to think about like the show notes and the editing and the uploading. And so that is just, that is such a huge gift. And you're also, I mean, you've been such an important part of like helping me develop like my podcast strategy and you're such a good thought partner for like brainstorming things. So, I mean, if you have been, and this, I will go back to, if you want your podcast to be an essential part of your business, you have to treat it like your business, which means you have to be willing to invest in it and hiring in a podcast manager suggestion, hire Sarah Whitaker, (laughs) will be the best investment that you can make for your podcast.
0: Yeah, I think the accountability piece is just absolutely huge. And for anybody who is not in a financial position to hire a podcast manager, at least get yourself an accountability buddy. Find another podcaster who's also managing their own podcast and be accountability partners for each other and make that a goal to be able to outsource it at some yes. point because it can be a game changer because it frees up that mental space like yep. you talked about and you can just focus on the content and that can be so powerful. Yeah. All right. Do you have any goals for the future with your podcast? Uh, Always.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Always. So, I mean, I, you know, obviously I want to continue to grow my podcast. You know, I'm like gunning for a million downloads. Who knows when that's going to happen? You know, I'd love to bring on like some more guests or whatever, but I kind of had this idea. So, and I'll just throw this out into the world because why not? I would love to start an additional podcast. So like, I would love to be able to start a, like a business podcast where I get to coach other podcasters yes. or business owners or TPT sellers or whatever, because I think it's like, you know, it's like now that I know how to do a podcast, I'm like, oh, let me use this podcasting skill that I have. And, you know, sort of like add on another, like, I don't know, like I love talking about reading and I love supporting teachers. But the reality of it is, is like my current position is I am a business owner and I'm doing things to grow my business. And I would love to be able to share those tips and strategies with other entrepreneurs. But you and I have also talked about an idea. We've thrown around this idea of doing like a podcast retreat, which I think would be so much fun, you know, to connect with like other podcasters. And so whether it's like a podcast mastermind or like a retreat or coaching sessions, you know, you and I just, we talk about how it's like, there's so much potential with podcasting and i think it is like such a unique and just amazing platform but there's also not like you know you know it's like i i've been in other coaching programs and other masterminds but nothing that is like really focused on podcasting so yes. i don't know and as my podcast becomes more and more like established and automated i would love to sort of like be able to connect with other podcasters you know help other podcasters grow grow myself um so sort of just like shifting more to like the strategy side of things and maybe even thinking about like podcasting from like a business owner's perspective
0: Yes, absolutely, and I've told you this before, but I think you would just make an amazing coach. You are obviously, you guys have heard from this episode. You're so good at reflecting and looking at data and giving advice. And so, if you're listening and you feel like that would be helpful to you, send Sarah a message and let her know that she should totally do this second podcast. Yes, because I
1: know. maybe 2023
0: there'll be an additional podcast as yes, part of my business. I know. I'm so excited to see what's to come and. Yeah, let us know if you guys would be interested in a podcast or treat. We're going to do it either way. Or yeah, I'm going to speak it out loud. I was going to say either it's going to be you and I spending a
1: weekend talking yes. about like podcasting, <laughs> which really sounds amazing to me, or yeah. it's like going to be you and I and like, you know, 10 other like Podcasters talking about podcasting. So either way, it's a, we're win, gonna win. Have a great time. It's just a matter of do, do other people want to join us in that conversation.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I, I think there's people out there who would love it. I hope it. so. <laughs> I hope so. Well, Sarah, this has honestly been such a fun conversation and so insightful. I'm I know that people listening are are gonna love it and will just gain so much from it. I really encourage you guys to take some of the advice that Sarah has shared with you today. And I do just wanna say. I think kind of like to wrap everything up, some of the big themes that I've heard throughout our conversation is to really go all in and commit to your podcast, see it as your business, like Sarah said, and that can be the game changer for you that you need. Be willing to experiment with the things that you're trying with your podcast. It's really the only way that you're going to find out what works and what resonates with your audience and what's going to lead to the most growth as possible. Listen to your audience. Don't be afraid to ask your audience. Do it regularly. And last but not least, plan ahead. Absolutely. (laughs) Leverage the summertime if you are an educator, and that requires planning ahead. So if you want to really go all in in your podcast next summer or do something cool, do something different with it, start planning for that in like January. Maybe that's what we need to do our retreat on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, <laughs> honestly, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I think that's I think that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> Stay tuned. I love it. Little planning going on here ourselves. <laughs> yes. I love that idea. Okay, we're gonna talk. Love it. All right. Thank you so much. You are amazing. I'm so grateful to have had you on today.
1: Well, thank you so much. You're seriously the best podcast manager ever. And I just, I'm so glad that I was able to, I don't know, chat and share this with your audience. So thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To keep this conversation going, connect with me on Instagram at podcasting for educators. I'm always looking for an excuse to talk about podcasting. If you're looking for support in launching, managing, or growing your podcast, check out my online course, the Podcasting for Educators Prep School at podcastingforeducators.com slash prep school. I'll see you here next time.